0: welcome to the beyond sunday podcast where we bring sunday home join us as we dive deeper into first baptist's weekly sermons discuss practical applications and answer your questions hello and welcome to the beyond sunday podcast i'm jordan upton and with me as always is pastor jeff reynolds Jeff. How are you doing today?
1: Jordan, I'm doing great, man. It's a nice cool morning. It's 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 like the first hint of fall. And so I know I always kind of return to the weather, but that's because I typically start my day working out and running and and all those sorts of things and so the weather has a big effect on me, uh first thing. And so it's a, it's a beautiful day. How are you doing, man?
0: You know, God is good and I'm doing really well. Uh listeners, you may be able to tell the uh, decline in the audio quality of me talking. That's because I'm working from home because I have COVID at the moment. Um, but thank God it's the most mild form of COVID I've ever had. And so I'm very thankful to be here doing this podcast with a clear mind and hopefully a, uh, a stable ability to communicate well.
1: Well, and we, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming to work virtually as far as that is on this particular deal. Um, and, uh, thanks for not sharing COVID with us. We really appreciate that as well.
0: Absolutely. Sharing <laughs> is not, always
1: sharing. it's not always Christ-like to share certain things, right? Right, right, right. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, I want to share, have you, uh, have you ever heard of Superbook? I think
0: we've talked about it before. Uh, but the show superbook there there was a version in the 80s but there's a revamped version now released like within the last decade it's a kids show yeah it's bible
1: show sure yeah, yeah. I, we, uh we, we we have not talked about it
0: yeah well so my uh, my wife's mother Mimi uh plays this for the kids and all the time and they just all love it and so i i started watching it with them and i i'm really impressed with the animation one, but with the, the thoughtfulness and the writing too, it, it's kind of like the, um, it, like the old Hanna-Barbera show, the greatest adventure stories from the Bible where, you know, this, these guys would go back in time to the Bible stories and experience them firsthand and, you know, have time travel adventures or whatever. It's kind of the same vibe, but it's, you know, it's animated. It's slick. it's uh, got a really thoughtful things that they throw in every once in a while. And mm-hmm. some, some humorous things man there they at one point had um this kid wanted jesus to realize that he was a superstar and act like a famous person so he found <laughs> paparazzi in the first century and oh. it was these three dudes who had you know a sheet of papyrus and they just drew face oh, you know, that's jesus hilarious real quick, within several seconds and were like plastering it on you know the sides of walls it was I was rolling over laughing and I had no idea that that was coming.
1: That's, that's hilarious. And you know, I mean, can you imagine Jesus in the celebrity culture of our day? And, and um, that's really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I did check and that is on right now media. So listeners, if you're not on right now media, that is a free offering from first Baptist. Absolutely free. Just go to our website and sign up for it. And I'll even put the link in the description for you.
1: That's awesome. No. And that is our gift to you, listeners. Uh, the church's gift to you. And we you have the opportunity to enjoy it absolutely free. You do not have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be in the Western Hemisphere. You can enjoy it anywhere you want. All you have to do is set up an account. So, Jordan, thanks for including that link. So, Jeff, what have you been getting into this week? Man, I have been really spending a lot of time in prayer. Uh, that has been, you know, I haven't been doing audiobooks, haven't been listening to podcasts. I've just it feels like every moment I just I'm so in a in a place of just just prayer right now. And it's such a good place to be. Um, just this longing to just spend time um, with the father and it's it's a beautiful thing. So walking the dog, I'm I'm praying, and and driving the car, I'm praying, and just lots of uh, lots of great prayer time. And our kids are back in school. Uh, they've been back in school a little over a week, and then the other major school system in our in our area fires back up today. And um, as we record this on Tuesday. And, uh, so getting into the life of back to school, we've got a lot of sports activities going on. So my son plays football, uh, for his high school and my daughter, uh, actually as a sixth grader made the middle school volleyball team. And so she had her first official game last night and it was really exciting and, and they won. And, and so we had a big time. That's, but that's the rhythm of life we're in right now. We are very much in uh, in that stage where you're chasing kids around to various activities, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. But it is definitely a busy time, and uh, but we're enjoying it. So
0: yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you're having this really special time of prayer and uh, personal growth, and that'll take us nicely into today's content, where we're talking about Peter and his personal growth and. Uh, his leadership of other disciples who were growing. So today's uh, scripture is very simple. It's Luke five eight. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, "Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." So we're going to get into the the mind of Peter today, or at least we're gonna we're gonna uh, do our best from the scriptural sources that we have. So the first thing I want to ask right off the bat is just. Why did Peter become the chief apostle? Why did he become the head of the 12 on whatever official level that is? What made him stand out from the other 12?
1: Well, I think there's two ways of answering that question. First is from God's perspective. And I think that Peter became the the chief of the apostles uh, because that was God's sovereign plan. And that's what God desired. And, and God knows each of us and he knows each of our Uh, sets of gifts and talents and abilities and resources and what he has put in us to bring to the table. And he also knows every decision we're going to make before we ever are even born, before we ever exist, because he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He already knows our frailties, he already knows our failures, and he already knows our strengths and abilities. And so I think uh, Peter was chosen because of God's providence. Uh, That's the way that God designed it to work. But from a human perspective, you know, I think there are things that we can look at about Peter. Um, he's he's one of those folks that's just an outspoken kind of a leader, and uh, sometimes that bites him. Uh, sometimes you might uh, you might describe Peter as uh, as I've heard it put that he's a ready fire aim kind of a guy uh, that that sometimes you you. You let things come out before you really think them through, and, uh, and I think that there's a lot of God's grace in that, that God chose someone who is imperfect and who had his own faults and failures uh, to be kind of the, the, the chief of the apostles uh, during Jesus' ministry and to play an important role in the spread of the gospel until his time to go home to the Lord. And so I think that uh, Peter had unique qualities and characteristics that uh, that not only prepared him uh, for this role, but were implanted in him by Almighty God for this role. And so um, yeah, he was a leader though. I mean, he was a leader. You could tell he was a leader, even as uh, he's working with his brother Andrew in their fishing business, and then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who are their partners, or at least work closely alongside them. And um, Peter kind of has a a leadership role, it seems, even in that arrangement as well. So it's very interesting how God uses what he puts in us as we employ those gifts, talents, abilities, and resources faithfully uh, to raise us up for what he's put us on this earth to do.
0: It is fascinating. I couldn't help but think about Judah, uh, the the one of the sons of Israel, yeah. so one of the heads of the twelve tribes, and how he is such a fascinating character. I I had a friend named Drake who showed me just this fascinated reading of how Judah may or may not actually be the central character of the Joseph story. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you know Joseph is the main character of the sure. Joseph story, but his argument is that you know joseph is you know in some ways as a character flawless he just kind of goes through and he always does the right thing he always has faith and you know he gets beaten up for it but he's always doing the right thing and he you know becomes elevated and then you know saves his family and you know so on and so forth but with judah it's more complicated because like he kind of makes mistakes as he's going along (laughs) but he always repents from them yeah um and so you know so for example, with Tamar, you know, he, uh, he has this mistake with Tamar and he does not own up to it, but then when he's confronted and she says, Hey, you know, confirm this for me and, you know, confirm that you should be ashamed, he says, yes, I confirm that that is my mistake. Um, so it, it, and of course I'm being vague there with the details of the story. You can, you can look yeah, up and just, just, in, just in case we have about. kids
1: listening, because it is uh, yeah. it is not a G rated story. Exactly. Um, but he
0: owns up to it and he repents from his mistake. Um, and so moving forward throughout the stories, then with Judah afterward, he's has this leadership role and it seems to be because he has the moral character, not only to lead, but also to repent when he's made a mistake. So with it, the culmination of it is when he's talking with Joseph, uh, in Egypt and Joseph is the viceroy judah doesn't know who he is judah is you know has his brothers there and his brother uh, benjamin is on the line where it seems like joseph in disguise is going to take benjamin away judah's like no i swore to my father that i would take care of my youngest brother and i'm going to you know please offer that you take me instead of my youngest brother and uh, take me instead. So he, he does this sacrificial act where we see him go through these steps of, you know, making mistakes, but then become penitent to it. And then more and more people listen to him throughout this narrative because he's demonstrating these leadership abilities. You know, when they are trying to take Benjamin to Egypt, Joseph, I'm sorry, when they're trying to take Benjamin to Egypt, uh, Reuben offers to Jacob, their father, I will, I will take care of Benjamin. Don't even worry about it. But Jacob says no, but then it takes Judah offering, yes, I will take care of him and you count on me and Jacob believes him. Yeah. So it, uh, that's a lot of backstory. I, I understand that if you don't quite follow where I'm going with that, it's okay. I'm just making the point that um, there are people, like you're saying, like you're on this earth and you see them go through this process and they have these natural leadership abilities. And if they develop them and if they're, you know, ad- admit to their mistakes and grow from them, then that's how you get true leaders like uh, uh, like Judah and like Peter, who are able to lead uh, men and women to higher heights and closer to God. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and praise God that He is able to use flawed individuals. Um, every person in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus Christ Himself, was flawed, and that is a great encouragement to me. And I think it should be a great encouragement to all of us as we recognize that, that God um, uses flawed, but uh, faithful people to accomplish his will and to bless the world. Amen. Okay, so let's look at this from a slightly different angle.
0: So the Gospel of John suggests that there are several other disciples that explicitly express that Jesus is the Christ or the Son of God. Um, before Peter has his confession where he says, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. Um, but it seems like we really circle back to this and talk about this moment being um, really Peter coming into the foreground and, uh, you know, being handed the kings of the kingdom, you know, whatever that means, and having this like real authority role where he he's given the name Peter at that moment. But what what's going on here, Jeff? Why? Why is it this moment that's so special for Peter? And how is it different than other moments where other people talk about Jesus being the Christ?
1: Well, I think something that's special about this is is one the setting, um, the fact that they're in Caesarea Philippi is a big deal. This has been throughout history a center for the worship of uh, gods, little G O D S. Uh, first, it was a center for the worship of Baal, uh, then it became a center for the worship of the Greek god Pan. Uh, and then the name was changed to Caesarea Philippi, uh, by Philip the Tetrarch, who named it in honor of two people, one Caesar. Uh, and if you're trying to get in good with Caesar, might as well name a city after him. And then he also went ahead and threw himself in there, Philip the Tetrarch, Philippi. Uh, so, uh, Honestly, the Romans worshiped Caesar. They worshiped the Caesars uh, as divine. And so, really, what you have is this center for the worship of the gods. And I mentioned in the sermon on Sunday that when you're there and you're there in front of these, these, these. Carved out places in the rock that you can still see today. That that this is where the god Pan would have been placed. I think it's very interesting that you know we uh, have cultures that place their gods in certain niches. Uh, we can't place our God anywhere because he is he is amazing and and uh, not made of wood or stone or anything like that. Um, but over to the left of that is this huge cave opening, and it's it's known as the Gates of Hades, the Gates of of Shield, the, the Gates of the Underworld, and uh, that's where they would make sacrifices, and then the the river that flows through there would would take the blood of the sacrifices and take them down. So, so this is a very spiritually charged place because remember, uh, any any. Anything that is elevating itself to God status or the status of deity, that is not God, is demonic in nature. So you're in this spiritually charged place, and Jesus specifically asks the question— who are people saying that I am? And so here in this place where there's, there's just a lot of discussion of the spiritual, Jesus asks the question, and, and the answer comes back, well, you're, you're Jeremiah, or you're Elijah, or you're one of the prophets, or maybe you're John the Baptist brought back to life. Uh, people are saying all sorts of things about who you are. Uh, and then Jesus centers his gaze and says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And speaking on behalf of the apostles, the disciples, I mean, that's that's the thing that's important. Peter speaks up as the spokesman, and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and remember that everything we have as the church, the household of God, and this is coming from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, so this is Paul writing this, but that it's built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, and Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. And Paul would write later to the church at Corinth, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one takes care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. So we would say that the church is built upon Jesus, but the proclamation of Jesus' true identity by Peter here at Caesarea Philippi, and then by the other apostles as well, um, and then by all of God's people, is the foundation uh, upon which the the church is built. So all of this is based on this, this notion that Peter has here said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus says, you are the rock. And what's interesting is Jesus then goes on to give Peter the keys to the kingdom. Now, the Roman Catholic Church would take this to mean that Peter was the first pope. I don't think Peter would ever have recognized himself as the first pope, um, but that's a different discussion for a different day. So we're not here recognizing Peter as the first pope, nor are we here recognizing the office of the pope. And again, that's a different discussion. But what we are recognizing is that God entrusted to Peter and to the apostles the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you let in, what you let out, that, the, those sorts of things are entrusted to you. Well, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that Peter would be entrusted to preach the gospel. And all the other apostles would be entrusted to preach the gospel. And when you get to the day of Pentecost— and the Holy Spirit comes, who is it that stands up and preaches the gospel? Well, it's Peter. When you get to Acts chapter 4, and after the healing of the, the crippled man at the beautiful gate, uh, the opportunity comes to proclaim the gospel. And who is it that proclaims the gospel? It is Peter. But it's not just Peter who, throughout the book of Acts, preaches the gospel, Peter. Uh, the other apostles preach the gospel as well. Even some of the deacons preach the gospel. Stephen, preaches the gospel. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so this this, this gospel proclamation goes out from the apostles and from the church itself. Um, but Peter is unique in that he is the one who preaches it at Pentecost. He is the one who preaches it in response uh, to those who oppress him for the healing of the, the crippled beggar in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Um, Peter is the one who shares the gospel with Cornelius, the first Gentile convert to Christianity at Caesarea Maritima, and so Peter is is given this unique opportunity to be the mouthpiece of the apostles, um, and it's a beautiful thing. So again, in God's providence, He's chosen Peter to do this, and Peter is used in the hands of God to be the spokesman for the gospel to share the gospel not only with the jews but also with the first gentile convert to christianity and uh a beautiful thing it is a beautiful thing and peter has a lot of admirable qualities and we really
0: see him be a natural leader throughout these stories but we also see his flaws and we we've talked about those a little bit on sunday and we'll talk about them a little bit more here going into our practical application question for today so listeners if you have a question you want us to answer on the air You can submit the question via the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. So today's practical application question has to do with Peter denying Jesus. So Peter denied Jesus three times, and then Jesus spoke with him and helped him to affirm him three times. And it seems like there's this repentance and reconciliation there. But then there's also a passage uh, in Hebrews 6 where it, it seems like, It suggests that you can't repent from rejecting the master so i'm I'm just going to read it for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the holy spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of god and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying again. The son of god and to their own harm and holding him up to contempt okay so peter denied jesus but found a way to reconciliation and then it seems like hebrews is saying uh, i don't know maybe there isn't a way to reconciliation so w- w- how can disciples return to jesus if we've rejected him on some level
1: well, I think that's a very important question. and And frankly, there are entire denominations built on varying interpretations of Hebrews chapter six, whether Christians can, quote, unquote, fall away from salvation or lose their salvation. Um, I believe the New Testament teaches that, those who are saved are saved by God. We are held in the hands uh, of our God. Uh, you can read all about that in John chapter 10, and no one can snatch us away from him. In 1 John, it says those who went out from us were never of us, and so those who fully and finally desert their Christian faith or recant or renounce or deconvert from their Christian faith, um, that, that whatever they had was not authentic Christianity. Most scholars would read Hebrews six to see, uh, or to say that that those who have participated in the covenant community of Christ. In other words, there are plenty of people uh, who come to church who are involved in church. Some people are leaders within the church, uh, professing a faith that is not a genuine faith. They have not repented of their sin to trust Jesus Christ alone for their Lord and Savior. Um, and I think that's part of the the reasoning behind the biblical admonition to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to, to look deep within and to see, is the faith that I profess truly faith? Am I confessing faith in Jesus Christ alone as my one and only Savior? Or am I trusting in Jesus and something, Jesus and my church attendance, Jesus and the fact that I have give money occasionally, Jesus and the fact, you know, it's, 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 Christ alone, uh, in which our hope is found. And so, so here's what you have. You have this very interesting juxtaposition of those who failed Christ in Peter and in Judas. And I want you to notice what happens here. This, this hit me like a ton of bricks several years ago, both Peter and Judas failed Jesus uh, both intentionally, really, I mean, Peter knew what he was doing when he was denying Christ. It wasn't like he just, you know, misspoke and then corrected himself. He said, I do not know the man, didn't even say Jesus's name. Luke tells us that, that he locked eyes with Jesus right after the third denial when the rooster was crowing and Peter went out and wept bitterly. He did not say, no, wait, I do know him and I love him and, I'll, you know, and I'm, I'm here to, to, to defend him. He didn't do any of that. He wept bitterly. Um, Judas, we see that Judas has this moment of remorse where he, he tries to take the money back um, and give it back. And, and, and they're like, no, that, that's, that's blood money now. That's, you know, that's your deal. So he throws it and, and he goes out in utter despair. And, and so now we have two guys who have failed Jesus both intentionally and are in despair over it. Now, let me show you the difference. We don't know exactly what Peter did next, but we know that when Sunday morning rolled around and Mary Magdalene went to the brothers to say Jesus' body is not there, Peter was with the disciples. We do know what Judas did next. Judas tried to fix the problem himself by taking the money back. It didn't work. So... He took his own life. What's the difference there? Judas tried to fix it himself. It didn't work. He ended in despair. Peter returned to the community of Christ. And I think that that indicates the heart of each of these men. Peter went home to the people with whom he had followed Jesus. And Peter was there when Jesus rose from the dead. And so... It's, it's the difference of where does your heart lead you to go you know um, like the prodigal son who found himself in the pig pen you know eventually he came to his senses and and he came back home so so here's what I would say if you're saved part of the fruit of your salvation even if you stray away for a while even if you 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 know you get out of church and you get out of Reading your your Bible and praying and all those sorts of things. come home. Part of the evidence of your salvation is that you will come home to Jesus. Um, the saints persevere unto death because they are preserved by the hand of God. Um, and so I'll tell you the uh, conversely as well, you know, there are people, who are members of every church who are not Christians, even, even we Baptists, and to be a member of a Baptist church, you got to be a Christian. You have to confess that you have repented of your sin and given your life to Jesus, and, and you've been baptized by immersion following that uh, confession of your faith. But, but here's the thing. God knows our hearts, and God judges us by our hearts. It's not the words that we say. Remember, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You know, there are plenty of people who can make all sorts of confessions. Uh, they can say all sorts of things, but what's going on in the heart is what God is looking at. And then there are plenty of people who can go through religious rituals, whether that's baptism or some sort of confirmation or something of that nature. Uh, and it can be as unspiritual and as dry as it can be. And so the Bible does command us to look within and uh, and to return to God, always to return to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. His arms are always open. So if you're in a place right now where you've strayed away, like you, you've you you've been making decisions that are not uh, in keeping with what it means to trust and follow Jesus, just come to Jesus right now and say, Lord, I confess, I, am, I, am, I have sinned, I am sinning, and I turn to you in repentance and faith. I come back to you, and and he will receive you. He will receive you. Um, he has said he will not cast anyone away who is coming to him in repentance and faith. But there will come a moment when that opportunity comes to an end, and one of two things will bring that opportunity to an end. Either you will die or Christ will return. Well, if if you are not in Christ at the moment of your death or at the moment of Christ's return, the time for mercy has come to an end, and the time for judgment has come. It's just like with the ark. Um, there was a moment when God shut the door of the ark, and then the springs of the earth burst forth, and the rains began. And at that point, who was in the ark was in the ark, and who was not was not. So I would just say this, you know, if, if you find yourself in a place where you aren't actively trusting and following Jesus, just come home to him. Come home to him now. Uh, don't try to go back and wonder, oh, did I mean it when I was nine years old and, and, and I prayed the prayer, quote unquote? Well, just come to him now. You know, when people come to me and they're wondering about their salvation, I'll ask them one question. What is your only hope of eternal life? And if it's anything but Jesus Christ, then we got a problem. You know what I mean? So don't worry about, you know, what did I what did I think back then? Just Right now, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I believe you're the Savior. I put all of my faith in you and in you alone, that your death on the cross was sufficient to pay for all of my sin, that your resurrection from the grave is a historical occurrence that actually happened. You bodily resurrected from the grave. I believe you live today at the right hand of God the Father, and I surrender my life to you. I don't want to live according to my own decision-making abilities. I want to submit myself to your lordship to trust and follow you, and uh, I'll tell you, If you do that right now, he will receive you and uh, he will call you his own forevermore. It's a beautiful thing.
0: It is a beautiful thing. And just to recap today's episode and to cap that off, just think back. Think about Peter. Think about him denying Jesus three times. And then I'll throw Judah in there. Think about Judah. He sold his brother into slavery in Egypt. Probably thought that Joseph was dead at that point. Yep. Uh, there's in his mind, there was no coming back from that. And yet all of a sudden there was this beautiful reconciliation and restoration that God had planned from the start. And it was there in God's hands outheld to Judah because Judah reached out to him. So Jeff, thank you for this. Thank you for this episode. I've been really enlightened from it. Uh, can you pray us out for today?
1: Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we confess that we are all sinners. The only sinless person ever to have lived was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The rest of us, we are fallible and we have faltered. And Lord, we're so thankful that you don't give up on us even when we make such big mistakes, even when we sin in such big ways. We thank you that there is hope for us in the outstretched arms of Jesus Christ who welcomes us home in repentance and faith. And so, Lord, I pray that we would all live lives that are characterized by continually returning to you because every day we sin. And so may we confess that sin to you, not because you're unaware of it, but because we love you and we want to cultivate our relationship with you. And so let us confess that sin and and trust you to sanctify us not only to cleanse us and to not hold that sin against us because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, but also to help us grow, to help us get better. Lord, make us more like Jesus. And we ask these things trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Ying Ingdal.